Hi. This week we continue our eight-week series on understanding the church in a new era, in a modern era. We've been journeying over the last three weeks looking at aspects of what it means to be church in the current situation that we find ourselves and what will a church look like in the future and touching on some of the past of what the church has been and looking into some of the scriptures to help us get a global perspective on what it means to be church and how do we understand it in our current times. There's been a lot of t-shirts shared with you over the last few months that I've been here. So without further ado, I got a new t-shirt as I promised you last week. The word Ubuntu is on this t-shirt. You've got to work out what the word Ubuntu means without using the internet. And in addition to that, I want to see if you can guess what scripture reference I've got on here to summarize what I believe helps identify what this word means for us who are the church. In addition to engaging in that way, we've got another paper exercise for those who would like to participate. Hopefully you would have seen the video of this paper exercise. It's simple, it's paper chains. Um, people paper chain. You need a pair of scissors and an A4 piece of paper and follow the instructions. Please keep hold of your paper chains. You can make as many as you like, but please do not do more than six for social distancing purposes at any one time. So please hold on to them because you are going to be invited to do something with those uh, people paper chains. And then we will um, explain to you why people paper chains. Okay, let me just touch on uh, a recap of the last three weeks. Week one, we had the mystery of the church. Week two, we had the meaning of the church. Week three, we had the mission of the church. Myself preached at the first week, David Morton preached on the second week, and Rachel McDermott, our youth pastor, preached last week on mission. Week one, the mystery of the church. Core biblical values included a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. A relationship empowered by the filling of the Holy Spirit, Joel 2, 4, 7. A relationship with the people of God through the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2. The church ultimately is about relationships, not religion. Relationships with God through Jesus Christ and his church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Week 2, David left us with some core biblical values of the meaning of church. The church as the people of God, 1 Peter 2. Nine. The church as a community of salvation, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Matthew 5, 13 to 16. The church as the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, and 27 to 31. The church as servant people, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 to 7. 
And the last one, the church as a community of the spirit, Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Then Rachel um, shared with us how she saw um, mission, understanding mission in a modern era. Ultimately, a key point was be a blessing to others, for others. The biblical um, values that she included, becoming servants of the gospel, Ephesians 3, 7 to 9. God equips us in who we are in him, Ephesians 3, 18. Whatever you do, do it out of love, using the example of the man paralyzed, lowered in the ceiling in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16 explaining about the mission is best done in teamwork. Our mission is to love like Jesus loves. So we continue with understanding what it means to be a member of the church, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ and the local church. What are the differences? Are there any differences? Well, let me begin with asking you, how would you yourself explain what it means to be a member of God's people? See, pre-Jesus, the marks were quite obvious. I don't believe the marks are so obvious today as they were back then. The marks of being a, um, known as a person of Israel, the Israelites, would have been through your family uh, line, your family history, your family ancestry, would have been through circumcision, it would have been by the um, colour of your skin, the complexity of your skin, the um, you know, language you spoke, the dialect you spoke, the accent you have, the clothes you wear, where you live geographically would have been indicators, marks of identifying you as the people of God. I don't believe that's the case today. I, th I believe it's a lot different, a lot more different. It's a lot more complex. It's much broader. How do you tell whether people are a Christian? How do you tell whether they are part of a church unless they attend church on a Sunday morning? Now, how would you explain yourself of being a member of God's church, of God's people. Maybe you don't even like saying that you are a member of a church. I wonder why that is. I wonder what that's saying about you. I wonder whether you've been hurt in a church and feel, I don't, I don't belong to a church. I, I would not like to associate myself uh, in a church. I completely get it when people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, or I don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I get that. And it's not about going to church or aligning yourself up with any particular denominational stream of church. But the people of God are known by being the people of God, not the person of God. I believe the, the, the marks of membership have to be very clear for us today because the waters can be very muddy. The areas can be very grey. I once um, spent four hours with somebody who wanted to be a member of our church. Clearly the Holy Spirit done something in her one service as she received ministry. 
And then she came to see me to say that she would want to become a member, she wants to be baptised and she would like to serve in the church. We spent the first two hours talking about how she would like to serve in the church and help raise money for the mission of the church. I was very excited, very clear, keen to encourage her. Then we talked for the next two hours about what it meant to be a church member. And one of the things I said to her um, was about her sharing her faith and, and proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And her face started to, to sink at this point when I started sharing about um, allowing Jesus to be her saviour, to be her Lord of her life. And I noticed that the conversation changed its tone and she was not as animated and excited and illuminated as she was when we were talking about serving in the church. At the end of it, she said, I, I can't proclaim Jesus as Lord which saddened my heart because of the excitement of serving and being part of it. She could not align herself with the reality of giving her life to the Lord Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour. So we're going to look at some biblical passages to back up that principle that if you haven't got Jesus Lord in your life, then how can you be a member of God's family, God's people? Let's have a look at some scripture. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, Paul says, the prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. So my, my first point for our teaching this morning on understanding church in a modern era under the subject of members, membership. Paul puts it beautifully in Ephesians 3 1 to 6 and one verse here gentiles have become fellow heirs members of the same body and sharers in the promise in jesus christ through the gospel he puts it beautifully saying there's no longer a difference between jews and gentiles even gentiles unbelievers the pagans can now be members and they don't have to be circumcised they don't have to have an israelite ancestry um, line they don't have to come from that they don't have to be from a particular um, geographical location they don't have to wear specific clothes they don't have to um, speak a specific language or a dialect they just have to accept jesus christ as their Lord and Saviour. It is as simple and profound as that. Paul puts it in another way in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave nor free. There is no longer male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ. Paul states that there once was a difference between his type of people and the other type of people. 
that has radically changed for him, for the world, for you. This has changed because of the attitude of heart that caught his attention on the road to Damascus when the resurrection of Jesus Christ became a living reality. The attitude of heart of the people of God changed. The Israelites changed. They had a revelation. They saw that the marks of membership were not conditioned by law, but by grace. When we expose ourselves to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the knowledge of our identity and purpose in him, we find a spiritual connection with those who have been touched and moved and transformed and are being transformed as the children of God. Paul talks about co-heirs of the kingdom of God. We have a joint citizenship in the context of church membership in the eyes of our creator. Culturally, theologically and politically, we no doubt will have many differences and at some point very huge differences. But we must resist the trap from the deceiver who is attempting to divide us on such matters. It is happening right here, right now as I speak. The church gets divided over many issues. The devil loves it when we play right into his hands. We must remember there's nothing wrong with splitting, with dividing, with starting another church denomination. Since the Reformation, the church has exploded in, in terms of its different styles and different theologically, theological and spiritual positions. That just reveals to us the, the rich diversity of God's beautiful church. There's nothing wrong with it. If you've got a problem with that, my guess is you're misunderstanding the reality of the diversity of the church. Because I believe that there is ability to be united in the diversity of the church. When we recognize this beautiful diversity, which Desmond Tutu talks about uh, a huge, hugely in his book, God Has a Dream. I believe this is God's dream to see his richly beautiful, diverse church united. And this is not a new dream. This dream dates right back to the first century. I believe when we grasp that, when we realize that Satan has a grip on this world, but he doesn't have a grip on us, and we celebrate the unity of what it means to be one in Christ, we will begin to see more of the power of God at work. I want you to remember this. God deliberately made you just as you are. It was not a mistake. He loves you just the way you are. I was thinking about this when uh, early on this week when I was um, chatting with the young people in, in Connected on Sunday night and we were talking I asked them to describe themselves in one of the Mr. Men characters I will reveal to you which Mr. Men character um, my colleagues at college uh, defined me as as uh, you see on the screen the Mr. Men characters and the little Miss characters come up on the screen picture yourself as one of those at least one don't get too carried away and don't think too deeply into it. Just um, have a bit of fun. Which one do you think you are? And which one do you think the person sitting next to you is or the person closest to you is? 
Because I think our church is radically diverse and there are some good things about us and there are some things that are not so good about us. But it is who we are and it is who we are now. It is not who we are going to be when Christ comes and reveals not just himself to us, but who we really are in him. But unless we accept each other in our differences, warts and all, we're never going to be the church. We will never grasp what it means to be a member. We can all be different, but yet one in Christ. I believe this is the way of membership. What divides the church? What do you think divides the church? I once heard that it's politics, it's culture, it's theology, but also all of those things unite the church. Who do we prevent? Sorry, rephrase that one. How do we prevent these from dividing us, the body, the church, those who are in Christ, one in Christ? How are we preventing politics, culture and theology to divide us? I mentioned that um, the unity of the church has been going since the first century. Ignatius, the third bishop of Antioch between AD 70 and 107, so the second generation apostles, was the first person in Christian literature to attribute to the church the adjective Catholic, or Catholic, sorry, or universal, meaning the one church, the one people of God. He said, wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic church, the universal church, the united church, the one church, the one body of Jesus Christ. He said that he's been a doctor of unity. He also said, I therefore did what befitted me as a man devoted to unity. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, Paul says, the prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. How are you participating in promoting the oneness in Christ? Ephesians 4 reminds us of the importance of encouraging us to get along with each other despite our differences. Unity has been at the forefront of what it means to be a member since the first century and it still is in the 21st century. Clearly, it is God's desire for us to be one in Christ, one church. It really doesn't matter what we call ourselves as a group of Christians, whether a denomination, non-denomination, fellowship, house church, parachurch, church without walls, fresh expressions, urban church, youth church, children's church, family church, messy church or whatever, unless we are one in Christ, one in spirit, one in body, one in hope, one in faith, 
through the one baptism, then we cannot be the one church. Matthew 12, 22 to 31 reminds us a house divided cannot remain standing. I love a good baptism. I myself was baptized as an adult, as a believer. Um, I've baptized many people. Uh, I think it's a great privilege. It's a great honor to baptize people, full immersion. I think it's a great symbol of what it means to turn around for Jesus. It's a great opportunity for people to testify to the transformation in a person's life. But I'm more passionate about baptism in the spirit. Personally, I'm not um, chewed up on whether you're baptized as a child or whether you're baptized in the Baptist way, full immersion as an adult or as a confessing believer. I believe in the one baptism the Bible tells us. But let's have a look at some scripture of what is said about baptism and and Paul shares uh, sorry Luke shares a lot of this in the book of Acts on on the first sermon uh, Peter responds uh, to the people of God who say so what must we do to be saved and he says this repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that's chapter 2, verse 38. Chapter 19 goes on to say, Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, into what then were you baptised? They answered, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. The Bible reminds us of the importance of being baptised in the Holy Spirit. Believing in Jesus is one step towards grasping the magnitude of what it means to be a member of God's family. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, you will start to identify your spiritual gifts and you will start using them for the glory of God's kingdom. We'll come back to that but more so you will be filled with an unrelenting love for all people that goes beyond rational thinking, that causes you to want to love people regardless of who they are, what they've done or what they haven't done. No matter what background they come from, no matter what record they've got attached to them, you will love them. That is the mark of what it means to be a deeply profound follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a member is to love every other member of the church. 
and every person created who has breathed air, who breathes air, and who will come into this world breathing air. This is the second most important mark of what it means to be a member. Through being baptised in the Holy Spirit, we become awakened ambassadors of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We become born again through the life-giving spirit of Lord Jesus Christ, John 3.3-6. We become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So, so the first point is being one in Christ. The second point is being baptised in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the third mark of what it means to be a member of God's church. The third, third point really excites me because um, it talks about how we are joint heirs to the kingdom of God. Joint heirs with Christ to the future of the universe, of heaven and of earth. It doesn't stop here. We have a dual citizenship. Paul puts it like this in Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reveals this to us in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 6. 9, 14, 15b to 17. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. But you are not in the flesh, those of you that are born again, those of you that have allowed the Holy Spirit to flood through your life. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, are not members. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Isn't that amazing? I find that a revelation. When I first grasped that, it was like letting Satan's grip loosen. To know that I am made for something much more than this. To know that I am a part of an eternal, a divine family. Whilst on earth, I've got brothers and sisters all across the world that I can call upon for love, encouragement, prayer and support. Because God has revealed to me the magnitude of his church. What are you magnifying in your life? What is it that you allow to dominate the very center of who you are? Because what you allow to magnify in your life will take over your life. I want to encourage you to take these three points, the one in Christ, 
being um, uh, baptized in the Spirit and being citizens of heaven to be magnified in your life because they, they are the marks of what it means to be a member of God's church, God's family, God's people. It is another mystery because of the Holy Spirit. Becoming part of God's people is not conditioned by any ecclesiastical um, structure or method or even approval. Not to dismiss or disrespect many of the great ways for people to align themselves with a local church, but being awakened to the truth of God's love for all people to know something of his presence right here, right now, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, the peace and the power and the protection of God, being filled with a newness of life within our hearts, minds and souls, and very often our bodies, sets us free from the grips of the Satan. Ephesians 3 verse 8 tells us that the church, which is the body of Christ, is composed of Jews and Gentiles. This was the mystery of the day. The mystery today is that it is even broader than that, culturally, politically, theologically, and in every other way. That Jew and Gentile were to be united in one. Catholics and Protestants. Eastern Orthodox and Charismatics and Liberals and everything else are to be one in Christ. The body is beautifully diverse. I remember reading this story of an engagement ring. An engagement ring uh, that fell into the sea some years ago, uh, around about 1994, was found on the coastlines of Sweden, um, miraculously found and returned to its owner. The ring was consumed by a mussel that turned up in a load of shellfish caught by a fisherman called uh, Peder Carlson. Carlson was able to return the ring to its original owner because it had her name engraved on the inside of it. Her name was Agnita Wingstead. If we bear the mark of Christ, his name on our lives, we know we will be returned to him. To know Christ is to know life. To have no Christ is to have no life. There is an old ABC of becoming a Christian, except Jesus died and rose for you. Believe that God created you with a purpose and unique in every way. Confess how you have not allowed him into every aspect of your life, making him Lord of all that you are and dream of heaven becoming a reality because this is the promise that we have in Christ Jesus. I want to finish off with the last point, sons and daughters of the living God. The scripture says this, 2 Corinthians, Chapter 6, verse 18. 
and I will be your father, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The followers of Jesus are followers 24-7, 365 days a year. They never forget that the body of Christ, every Christian, is one in Christ. We are one together. They never forget that by being baptised in the Holy Spirit, we are filled with a heavenly kind of love. They never forget that they have dual citizenship, citizenship on this earth and citizenship in the kingdom of God. And they never forget that we are sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, fellow heirs together on this earth for the glory of God. The reality is we've got to navigate ourselves around this world that has got um, Satan's grip on it. But you know, Satan has only got a grip on us if we allow him to. We can loosen that grip. That's what Jesus does. He sets us free to be his people. Now, I am a member of a local church. I am a Baptist minister. By virtue of being a Baptist minister, or a minister that is in a Baptist church, I have a membership. I joined a membership. I believe committing yourself to a local church is a very important aspect of what it means to be a part of God's family. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not promoting or pushing or banging a drum about you must become an official member. I believe if you know your identity in Christ, you will want to be a part of what God is doing among other, with other believers. It is not good for believers to go it alone. It is not healthy. You do not grow the best. I understand that community is hard. Mixing with people of such differences is a challenge for all of us, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. If we're finding struggles between each other, it's because something is wrong. And if we're maturing Christ, we will seek to understand how we can get it together, get it right. So please, don't ever dismiss the church or don't ever criticise the church for what it isn't or what it should be or, or what it um, tries to be but doesn't live up to. Because remember, you are called to be a part of the unity of the church, not the dividing of the church. Uh, a wonderful uh, man called Jean Venier says this. There are times when together we discover that we make up a single body. That we belong to each other and that God has called us together as a source of life for each other. Martin Luther said this. Away with those who want an entirely pure church. There is plainly, that, sorry, is plainly the same thing as wanting no church at all. We are a fellowship. We are a very broad fellowship. We haven't got it all right. The local church is an expression of the global church. What does your church look like? Is it struggling? Is it not perfect? Well, how are you helping it to better itself? How are you adding value to your church? Put it like this. 
Well, put like this, it is like a tree in a garden. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. You can check that out in Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 to 19. Every church is a plan in God's garden, is a plant planned in God's garden. Membership at BBC is about joining a church, a tree, that is under construction. It has weathered and some branches are storm battered and are in need of master gardener's touch on them. As healthy branches, we seek to provide a space, a place, a fellowship who will love, encourage and support where possible and appropriate for those who feel battle worn, where their branches are in need of some restoration. All of this hinges on the first four biblical values of being part of any local church, particularly as I speak about Breton Baptist Church. BBC is a place where everyone matters, where everyone is accepted. BBC is a church in transition for sure. We are exploring how to be church that God desires. In a time such as this, in a place such as this, for a season such as this, in order for us to fit the future he has for us and the next generations. A finger that is separated from the hand has limited amount of time to rejoin the body before it can no longer have life. So a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who sees that not being part of God's kingdom people on earth will not be able to remain alive for very long. Although we have a formal membership at present in Breton Baptist Church, this does not constitute whether you are one of God's members of his body, the body of Jesus Christ, a participant in his kingdom movement people. The true body of Jesus Christ are those who acknowledge that believing Jesus died and Jesus rose, defeating death, showing us through his forgiveness over the sins of this world and that through being baptised in him and receiving the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, we become one in him and co-heirs to the kingdom of God, his adopted children his adopted sons and daughters. When Christians choose a church based on what they can bring to the church rather than what they can receive from the church, the body strengthens and shows great health. Jean Venier also said, a community is only a community when the majority of its members are making the transition from the community for myself to myself for the community. The true body of Jesus functions in the way Desmond Tutu beautifully puts it. Um, I am because you are. I am because you are. Desmond Tutu is accredited for his explanation of the African word Ubuntu. Now you know what Ubuntu means and that's what I've got on my t-shirt. Let me just reveal to you. I'm not going to reveal the scriptures just yet. We are who we are because of each of us.
So in summary, let me just conclude with the final reminders of the points for this morning. The core values for me of what it means to be a member are these. Being one in Christ, Galatians 3.28. Citizens and co-heirs to the kingdom of heaven, Philippians 3.20. People baptised in the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. Sons and daughters of the living God, 2 Corinthians 6.18. A tree, the body, the church in the master's garden, Matthew 7.17-19. Our true identity lies within knowing Christ and we can become even more of who we are because of all being one in Christ. Membership for me is about Christ followers finding their way through this life as a gathered and scattered people encouraging each other to become more connected with the spirit of the living God in preparation for the life he is revealing to us now and forever. So I leave you with these last questions. How are you adding value to what God is growing in his garden, the local church? Are you a battle-worn, stormed, weathered branch that requires attention? Are you a healthy branch that is producing healthy fruit? Where are you? In the whole idea of church. If you've got a hang up on church, may I invite you to draw nearer to God and ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I've had major problems with church in the past, but I've, I've, I've learnt to overcome it and received ministry of the Holy Spirit to overcome that. The church is beautiful when it's at its best. Church membership is not conditioned by you signing a piece of paper or telling us that you've got a specific theological position um, and everybody must align to that or whether you are um, of a particular Christian spirituality or whether you are of a particular political view the only political view um, I would encourage you to consider is claiming Jesus as Lord I wonder if you guessed my um, Bible text uh, my Bible verse on my t-shirt. Let me reveal it to you. It had to be Galatians 3.28. One in Christ. Before we return back to the worship, we're just going to have a time of prayer and inviting the Holy Spirit to minister to each and every one of us. In our prayer time, I invite you to take up your paper chain, people, and look at that paper chain of people and just think of at least three more people who you would like to pray for, who God has placed on your heart. Leave one person, one paper person, one paper chained person, blank for now but the persons that come to your mind ask Holy Spirit reveal to me who you're placing on my heart and write their names on there just write their names on there now God wants you to intercede for each other God wants us to intercede for each other when you've written their names on there I encourage you to 
prayed a prayer of gaps, giving thanks to God for them. I would invite you to put on there perhaps the people that you most struggle with, brothers and sisters particularly. Ask that they may know his presence, peace and power right now, right here. Praise God for making them them. And send them whatever and whoever they need to become more of who they are in the Lord. Asking God, send people to them to help them become more in you. So you're filling in the gaps as intercessors. And now turn to the one who is blank. And write your name on it. And give thanks to God for yourself. Ask that you may know his presence, his peace, his power, his protection even more than ever. Praise God for making you, you. Ask God to send people into your life to help you become more like him. I'm just going to pray a prayer over you all now. Lord Jesus Christ, the authority of our lives, the giver of life, the one that sets us free, who loosens the grip of the Satan, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters right here, right now, for them to be open to the movement of your Spirit, to fill them afresh, to overflow in, lift the cup of their lives, the spiritual cup of their lives. Father, I pray if there's any division among us, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Lord, if there's people in our church that have been battle-worn, storm-weathered, and are in need of restoration, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, send the right people and minister to them right here, right now. May they open themselves up to the mystery of your healing in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for a prophetic word over Breton Baptist Church. That we become united in Christ. One in Christ. We are who we are because you have sent us to encourage each other. To build each other up. To build on the work of your kingdom that began in Jesus Christ and through the early apostles. Lord, help us to make Breton Baptist Church the church that is known by being a people of the living God. The loving God. The God that gives life and light. Set your people free, I pray. If there's any among us who do not know you, who would like to give their life to you right now, I pray that they follow the ABC, accept that Jesus is Lord and God created you just as you are. Believe that Jesus died and rose for you. Confess that you have not allowed him into every aspect of your life. And then let the Holy Spirit reveal the dreams of God, of heaven, into your life right here, right now. And just say, Jesus, forgive me, I accept you, I receive you, baptise me in the Holy Spirit. This I pray in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all the believers together said, Amen.